Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Well, we're now going to have our, our Bible reading, which is from Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, Christmas is getting closer and closer, and life seems to be getting busier and busier with all the Christmas parties, Christmas carols, nativities, and all the shopping. That last-minute food shopping, that last-minute Christmas present shopping. And within the, the busyness of life, it's so easy to forget about Jesus, the very reason for the season. For over 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in a scandalous birth. A baby was born out of wedlock to a, a working-class family from up north in Nazareth. Jesus did very well for himself later in life. He became a rabbi, not a small feat for someone who comes from Nazareth and whose father, or should I say stepfather, was a carpenter. But God was clearly with him, and he had a very powerful teaching ministry, and he had a powerful healing ministry. He also had a very powerful prophetic ministry. He was constantly standing up against the religious and the political rulers and authorities. He was standing with the poor and the oppressed. And so as a result, the authorities and the rulers had him crucified. But then three days later, he, he rises again from the dead. And he gives birth to a whole new humanity, a humanity that won't experience death and decay. Not a bad resume. And I think you would really struggle to find anyone who isn't really impressed with the life of Jesus because Jesus was truly an incredible person. And I think no one would disagree that Jesus was a very important person in the history of the world. But the New Testament doesn't believe that Jesus is a very important person in the history of the world. The New Testament believes that Jesus is the most important person in the history of the world by far. Paul makes this point again and again in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 to 20. You see, Christianity is not just a, a way of, of trying to be religious. Christianity is not just a way of, a particular way of discovering how to be saved. Christianity isn't about a particular way of being holy. Christianity is all about a person. It's all about Jesus. It's all about having a relationship with Jesus, who is the most important person in the universe. And within this poem, 
This is probably one of the earliest Christian writings that we have. Paul is writing about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, but he's most likely quoting a much, much, much earlier Christian poem. And this poem reveals to us why Jesus is the most important person in the universe and why we celebrate his birth. Firstly, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Chapter 1 and verse 15 says the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now, of course, all humans are created in the image of God. In other words, all humans are meant to reflect the character of God to the rest of creation. We're meant to mediate God's rule and God's love and God's compassion to the rest of creation. But ever since the beginning, ever since Adam and Eve, humanity has turned its back on on God and done things its own way. Humanity has failed to be the image of God, the very thing we've created to be. So in one sense over here, what Paul is saying is that Jesus is the perfect human who truly reflects the image of God. If you want to know what it means to be truly human, look at Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just show us what it means to be truly human. He actually shows us who God is. You see, Paul doesn't say Jesus is the image of God, but Jesus is the image of the invisible God. No one's seen God. God is spirit. God is invisible. But in Jesus, God becomes visible. God comes near to us. God becomes one of us. Jesus is the mirror image of God. Now, if someone, for example, if someone was in the room next door, I wouldn't be able to see them because there's this wall separating us. But if there was a mirror in the doorway, in the hallway, I might be able to look through the door and see them in the mirror. Jesus is that mirror image of God. When we look at Jesus, we see the reflection, the perfect reflection of God. Now, we all... (laughs) might be aware of the presence of God. And many people and many religions have claimed that there is something or someone beyond us, something, a higher power. Many uh, uh, scientists and philosophers, many people when studying creation and reflecting upon nature have caught a glimpse of the divine. But when we look at Jesus... We come face to face with God. We see that perfect mirror image of God, that perfect reflection of God. Why do we see the very reflection of God in Jesus? Well, the short answer is because Jesus is 100% God and Jesus is 100% human at the same time. We read in verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is how they would normally talk about the temple. They would say that the the fullness of God, the the glory of God, that the very presence of God fills the temple and dwells within the temple. But over here they're saying that the, the fullness of God isn't dwelling in the temple, but it's dwelling in a person, in a human from Nazareth. 
That's why Paul says in chapter 2 and verse 9, For in Christ, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Think about it. Now, I always used to think, okay, so there's one God in three, peop- in three persons. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and so I kind of thought, so you have you know, God the Father is kind of like one-third of God. And Jesus is like one-third of God, and the Holy Spirit is like one-third of God. And you put all three together, and then you get the fullness of God. You get the whole God, right? No. Paul says that, that the, all the fullness of God lives in Jesus. All, the, the entire, the fullness, the completeness of God lives in In Jesus, Jesus is 100% God. There's not a single attribute of God, not a single part of God that you do not find in Jesus. 100% God. Now, this goes way beyond what anyone says anywhere in the Bible about the absolute deity of Jesus, the absolute divinity of Jesus, the absolute supremacy of Jesus. He's 100% God. Now, if that isn't mind-blowing enough, the, the very next line, Paul goes on, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In other words, God becomes 100% human. God, real God, becomes flesh, real flesh. Not a hologram from heaven, not a ghost, but real flesh. He sweats. He cries. He bleeds. He dies. 100% human. Therefore, Jesus is the perfect image of God. He's the visible expression of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. Do you want to know who God is and what God is like? Then look at Jesus. And you know what the amazing thing is? The more we look at Jesus, the more we realize that God is a God of complete sacrificial love. He becomes a human for us. He suffers and he dies for us because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Secondly, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Verse 15 says, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible, uh, invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, many people jump to the conclusion, they say, Ah, how can Jesus be God? See, it says he's the firstborn. That means he was the first one born. That means he was the first thing God created. But it doesn't say that. Look carefully. It says it's the firstborn over all creation. He he is over everything that has been created. In fact, in verse 16, it continues, for in him all things were created. He created everything. Everything that has a beginning has a beginning in Jesus. Therefore, Jesus could not have a beginning. Everything that was created was created by Jesus. Therefore, Jesus could not be created. You see, this would make perfect sense. If we were reading this in the time Paul wrote it, it, we would know exactly what Paul's talking about. You see, in those days and in that culture, the firstborn inherited everything. 
all the father's world, status, and power. He inherits everything. Therefore, he is equal to his father. What Paul is stating over here is that Jesus is absolutely equal in power and dignity to, the, to God the Father. He, he is beginningless. He is the creator. He is not one bit inferior to God the Father. Also, very interestingly, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs chapter 8, it says that wisdom... That the wisdom of God, the intellect of God, it says that wisdom is the firstborn over creation. And it's through wisdom that God creates the universe. So what the poem is claiming over here is that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And that this wisdom of God has become a human in Jesus. So saying Jesus was the firstborn doesn't mean he was created or there was a time that he didn't exist. In Jewish thought, the firstborn meant being the most important. That's why Israel, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, is referred to as the firstborn. Not because it's the first nation to exist, but it's the most important nation. Likewise, King David, in Psalm 89 and verse 27, we're told he is God's firstborn. He wasn't the first king. He's the most important king. Jesus is the firstborn over creation because he is the most important being in the whole universe. Why? Why is the most important being? Well, the verse continues. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the firstborn. He is the most important being in the universe because simply because he brought the whole universe into being. He is the creator. Everything came about through him and for him. Now, that's an incredible statement to make about a person in recent history, someone that they knew and could remember. This just shows you how how quickly the, the early church came to realize that Jesus was from all eternity the very agent, the very wisdom of God through which God creates the whole universe. But it's also an incredible statement to make about the natural world. It's his idea. It's his workmanship. Whenever the the awesome power and the beauty of creation takes your breath away, remember that it's like that because he made it like that. Now, of course, the world today is also full of a lot of cruelty and evil. And death is kind of the sums that up. But that wasn't God's intention. That, that, That wasn't God's original intention. That is essentially a result of humanity turning their backs on God and doing things our own way, following our own selfish desires and greed. So the whole world is now out of sync. And cruelty and evil and death is the consequence. But now God has acted decisively in Jesus to bring about healing to heal the world of all this cruelty and evil that so badly infected it. And so thirdly, Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. In verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus was the firstborn over creation because he was the one who brought about creation. Now we're told the same Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. He is the one who brings about a new creation. He is the one who brings about healing and restoration and renewal to the whole world. As the, as the person, the first person to rise from the dead, it's through Jesus that this new creation has begun. And through our faith in Jesus, we can be part of this new creation. We can experience new life. How exactly does Jesus bring this healing to the whole cosmos? Well, we continue reading in verses 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Look, we've all made a mess of it. We've all made a mess of life and a mess of this world. But God doesn't leave us in our mess. God doesn't wait for us. God takes the initiative. And he comes to us as a human. And in order to be reconciled to us and to be reconciled to the whole cosmos, in order to to have a relationship with us, God takes our mess upon himself. He takes our sin and our guilt upon himself. And he even takes evil and death itself upon himself. And he deals with it. He defeats it on the cross. And then he rises again from the dead to bring about a new life, new creation, a restored life so that we can experience reconciliation reconciliation, peace, and forgiveness, and new life. So Jesus is truly the most important person in the universe because he is the very image of the invisible God. He he makes God visible. He is God in the flesh. And he's the firstborn over creation. He brings about all creation. Without him, there would be no life. And he's the firstborn over new creation. It's through his death and his resurrection that we can experience forgiveness and healing and new life, eternal life. So Jesus is truly the most important person in the universe. But the real question, the question for us today is, Is Jesus the most important person, the most important thing in your life? See, if if you're in a relationship with Jesus and he is truly the most important thing, most important person, he needs to be the most important thing in your life. You can't have anything that can be more important. Otherwise, you don't have a relationship with the being who is the most important thing. When I first became a Christian, The most important thing in my life was surfing. Uh, I was involved in many world wave ski surfing competitions at the time. It was kind of my life. And when I became a Christian, I I, I suddenly had this conflict, this this issue. Uh, If Jesus is going to become the most important thing in my life, does that mean I need to stop surfing? And I wrestled with this for some time. 
But you see, if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, it doesn't mean you have to give up everything else, everything you love. Because Jesus created everything for us to enjoy. And Jesus came and he died and he rose again in order to redeem creation, in order to renew it and restore it so that we can enjoy it for all eternity with him. So in order for Jesus to be the most important thing, we don't have to give up everything we love. Jesus didn't want me to stop surfing. Jesus wanted to redeem my surfing. Jesus wanted to be the most important thing in my surfing. And so I decided that Jesus, I would surf for Jesus. And Jesus would be the most important thing in my surfing. Of course, that had a profound effect on the way I went about surfing. My main goal in surfing was now to please Jesus and to feel his pleasure in me as I enjoyed his creation. And Jesus wants to be the most important thing in every area of your life. In everything that you do, in every part of your life, he wants to be the most important so that he can have supremacy over everything. And it's the same with our relationships. If Jesus is the most important person in my life, it doesn't mean that I love Victoria less or I love Naomi and Hannah less. No, it means that Jesus wants to redeem all my relationships and that I become a better father. I become a better husband. I end up loving Victoria better. I end up loving Hannah and Naomi better because Jesus is the most important thing in all my relationships. And it's the same for all our relationships. Jesus wants to be the most important in all our relationships so that in everything he can have supremacy. So the question is, is Jesus the most important person, the most important thing in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect upon you, as we reflect upon Jesus, We do stand in awe that you and through you, you brought about the whole universe, the whole cosmos. You created all things. You are truly the firstborn over creation. And yet you became a human. You entered into our mess. You identified with us because you love us. And you even died for us because you want a relationship with us. And so you brought about new creation. And you made a way for us to be able to experience that. And so, Father, we we declare that you are truly the most important person in the universe. But, Father, we confess that so often we don't relate to you as though you are. We have so many other things in our life that we sort of hold on to as as though it's more important. We, We declare in one level that you are the most important, but then we say you can't touch this. You can't have that. Father, we ask for forgiveness. We pray that by your Spirit we'll be able to surrender everything to you and declare that you are the most important and that we could truly have a relationship with you, the most important being. And Father, we thank you that that doesn't mean we we lose out and we give up stuff, but it means everything gets redeemed, everything gets renewed, and real life is the result, eternal life. And for that we are eternally grateful. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.